0: And the best part? You can try it yourself with their 7-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's p-h-i-l-o tv slash p-o-p-p-o-d-s to get 50% off your first month.
1: Hi, this is Michael Senka. You're listening to Talking Metal.
2: Hey guys, this is Wolf Hoffman from Accept and you're listening to Talking Metal.
3: All right, we are back. Talking Metal 2.0 in 2021. Happy New Year, guys. Let's do this. Remember to support the show using our Amazon links. You can find those on markstriegel.net. Also, PayPal donations are gladly appreciated. You can do those also through markstriegel.net. Again, M-A-R-K-S-T-R-I-G-L dot N-E-T. Our preferred way of supporting the show is through Patreon where you will get a bonus podcast every week if you do a $5 a month pledge or more I will send you out a talking metal t-shirt so join my friends like Steven Saylor Steve Hoker Mike Jones Dan Gurwan Chris Riley Brad Dahl and uh, Mike Jones I said, I said Mike Jones yeah those are those are our top tier Supporters on Patreon. Love those guys. I also love Andrew Miller, David Gray, Drake, Fred Rutz, Jason Seth, Jeremy Weltman, Joe Ryan, Mario Schrantz, Matt Carroll, Metal Dan, Michael Street, Sam Supi, who is very active on Twitter. Love seeing your your tweets, Sam. Sean Richmond, Steven Rodriguez, Tommy Anderson, Anthony Mackey, who might be coming on the show soon. Jerry from Long Island, Gregory Muse. James Bennett, Jean Eugene D X, Jean Francois Blas, Johan Enderström, John Bovari, Kenny McCrimmon, Richard Langridge, Ron Keel, and a big shout out to my buddy Victor Ruiz, who does the bonus podcast that is available only to the patrons of Patreon. Let's get into the show. All right, we got some great guests on the show today. We have Michael Shanker. Wow. uh, Always an honor to talk to somebody as legendary as this man. Uh, And another German... Legend of a guitar player, two German guitar players today, Wolf Hoffman. Now, the Wolf Hoffman interview was already a part of the Talking with Mark Striegel podcast, which is my other podcast. If you don't subscribe to that, please go do so. But knowing that I don't have nearly the subscribers on that podcast, I did want to give it some love here on Talking Metal. So that'll be what brings uh, brings the episode to a close today is my interview with Wolf Hoffman. Conducted, I don't know, late November, early December, I'm thinking of 2021. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but we will hit the exclusive Michael Shanker interview first. And uh, yeah, Happy New Year, guys. And thank you for supporting again on Patreon, on PayPal, with PayPal donations by just simply buying a t shirt. I'll sell you a Talking Metal t shirt for $15. Just uh, send me your. Shirt size, your address, and your name through, uh, through my PayPal account, which is paypal.me Mark Striegel. My name is spelled M A R K S T R I G L. Yeah, so psyched to hear from the two guests that we have on the show today. We'll catch up with Emily, my wife, in a, a little bit, and we'll also revisit a classic album. The album Metal Heart, which I got Wolf to talk about on uh, in the interview, so we're we're gonna we're gonna revisit that. I'm gonna talk to you about some of my feelings about the Metal Heart record by Accept, which is now over 35 years old. Can you believe it? Wow, time flies, right? So let's talk about a sad topic. You know, 20, 2020 sucked for many reasons. We all know, um, but it also sucked because we lost so many great heroes and I mean I feel I feel like almost you know from our era when I say our era I mean us guys in our 40s and 50s and I know we have some younger listeners but uh, who are appreciate that time frame of music but I, I will say for me personally wow Lee Kerslick who played on two of my favorite records um, Diary of a Madman and Blizzard of Oz with Ozzy wow Lee Kerslick rest in peace Donnie Hiller which man what an important band trauma was not only did they give us you know Cliff Burton pre-Metallica he was in trauma and there's some great stuff by him you can hear with the band trauma but Donnie Hiller's trauma Ha, went on to sign with shrapnel and do all sorts of great music and he was a friend of the podcast maybe not a superstar but somebody I listened to as a teenager and loved talking with him three or four times through the years uh, sad to see you go Donnie and, and shocked really because far too soon man uh, rest in peace brother Donnie Hiller of trauma Eddie Van Halen I mean what can, what can we say Fucking sucks, man. Van Halen, gone. We never got that final tour with Michael Anthony and and Roth, which was supposedly being planned uh, far too soon, man. Really freaking sucks. Leslie West just passed away. A guy I always wanted to interview, and I hung out with him when I worked as a producer on a show called That Metal Show on VH1 Classic on our rap party uh, Leslie came down he had done some music for the show I believe right yeah um I don't know anyways he came down and he was hanging out he was in his wheelchair he was at the bar not drinking but hanging out at the bar I got introduced to him and yeah man he he was great we we, we spoke for like 20 minutes that night and it ended with him with me telling him hey you know I do a podcast called Talking Metal. I'd love to interview you with that. And I reached out to somebody who then was supposed to reach out to him. I never heard back. So that was five years ago. Uh, another person, I'm very sad I never got the chance to interview because he was always on my radar. You know, hey, I'm going to get to Leslie. I'm going I'm to circle around and get an interview with him. Well, didn't happen. Reed Mullen from Corrosion of Conformity. I I always loved more of the the sludge era of Corrosion, COC, more than I did the hardcore era. But uh, again, you know, you got to give a shout out to Reed. Gone way, way too young. Neil Peart of Rush. What can you say? Tragic, horrible. So many great lyrics and stories that painted my imagination. Listen, we know he's a great drummer. One of the best rock drummers ever. But how about those lyrics? Let's talk about those, man. Sitting there, staring into the Moving Pictures record, hearing the story of the Red Bridgetta play out on the uncle's country farm. You know, craziness. I mean, he was so good with those lyrics. I mean, don't even get me started on 2112. Neil Peart gone way too soon Bob Kulik another guy who'd been on the podcast many times who would email me personally talking you know asking me questions and I I tried attempted to get him booked to do a solo show in New York we got close but the money just wasn't quite there Um, so uh, very sad I felt like he turned a little bit angry towards the end I'm not sure I probably shouldn't say that but rest in peace Bob you gave us so much great music you know, with Kiss and and through your producing. You won a Grammy producing a song for Motorhead, a cover of a Metallica song. Bob, rest in peace, my friend. UFO, uh, a band that I've always loved, but not over-the-top love. I mean, I'm not like obsessive like Eddie Trunk is or something like that, but... I should maybe love is a strong word a band that I've always appreciated and I have numerous UFO records and got into them more later like in the 90s kind of after the after the fact but Paul Chapman and Pete Way both gone saw Paul Chapman not too long ago with UFO on stage Uh, they were touring with Saxon saw him in some weird theater way out there in, in western New Jersey it was a great show and Pete Way, of course, I never saw him with UFO, but I saw him with Wasted opening for Maiden, which is a highly, highly underrated uh, commercial hard rock metal band from from the 80s, Wasted, Pete Way's Wasted. And Martin Birch, who, wow, produced, I mean, all all you got to say is Maiden, but he did so much more than that, you know? I mean, just go to his Wikipedia page. What a legacy. Heaven and Hell, right? Did the, did the Sabbath era Dio stuff wow incredible Martin Birch rest in peace the amazing producer and Frankie Benelli a guy who had been on the podcast numerous times a couple of the interviews I did with him somehow only went out over the live stream and I, they didn't get onto the show but I know Emily did a great interview with him I, I did an interview with him a video interview which I believe is up on my YouTube page somewhere and Frankie Benelli I tell you, when I saw them play at M3, really not that long ago, like I think it was 2019, right, Quiet Riot, I'm talking about, they brought the house down. I was sad when I heard James Durbin left the band, you know. Uh, By the way, he's got a couple new songs out that are pretty good, but I I feel that him and Frankie probably had a, a major falling out. But anyways, Frankie, man, thank you for the great music with Quiet Riot through the years and for keeping that band going. And I will always remember my last time seeing you guys live on the, at M3, I believe, 2019. It was a you really, out of all those bands, that was one of the highlights of my M3 2019 weekend. I said that right after M3, and that performance sticks with me to today. So God bless all you guys, and thank you for enriching my life. Those are all people we lost in 2020, 2020, and I know we lost a lot of people in 2020, so what a fucking shit year, and I, you know, people might be wondering why I'm not talking about more about Van Halen, but I've I've done a lot of talking about him, obviously one of my favorite musicians of all time, top three for sure, I mean, wow, all right, here we go. Let's uh, I feel like, oh, I feel like I'm throwing to a song, but I forgot we don't play music anymore. (laughs) Okay, so let's do this. Let's let's get into the interview with Michael Shanker. Hey, it's Mark Striegel and we have a true legend on the the phone with me today. What a thrill to speak with Michael Shanker again. Michael, how are you doing?
1: Good.
3: How are you? I am. I'm doing well, and I, I got an advanced link sent over by Nuclear Blast to the great new album, Immortal, which is going to be released on January 29th. I cannot wait. It is. It's really, really good. You're returning to the MSG, I guess. Title, I'd call it. After doing a couple records as Michael Shankerfest, and before we talk about some of the individual songs, what? Why is now the time to return to the the MSG? title or, or band name if you will
1: well the, the thing is that um, everything that I've done from uh, 1980 is basically Michael Schenker group even the right. even Temple of Rock even Michael Schenker Fest it's all Michael Schenker group um, because it always starts with me and uh, um, but it's good to have um, like you know, subtitles to to keep track with uh, what because I have so many lineups. You know what 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 Michael group are we talking about? And so it's good to have those subtitles. Like uh, for instance, like Mike, the first microsinge group was with Simon Phillips and Mo Foster. The second. Uh, was with Cozy Pop, the MSG, um, the next album was called MSG, which was with Cozy Powell and uh, Paul Raymond and Chris Glenn and so on. And uh, so people um, know by Michael Schenker Group what it is, and MSG what it is, um, unless you go to Michael Schenker Group, um, which is also my, uh, my center group, but I gave him the M <laughs> right. so I can keep the, the MSG and I didn't care if, if, if had the M or not first, but uh, you know, and then, and then, you know, I had my middle years and uh, um, I was, uh, that was my experience. I mean, experimental time. Of acoustic instrumentals, letter instrumentals, and and cover versions—all that kind of stuff—I wanted to get out of my system. All the things that I, I wanted to do, I couldn't have done with Ozzy Osbourne or Deep Purple or Scorpions or UFO and uh, and and other bands that asked me to join. And so, so the, those middle years were very very fulfilling. And uh, but you know, and then at some point I I. Um, and that all went under Michael Schenker, right. those experimental, you know, days. And, uh, yeah, so basically it, it categorizes and it keeps everybody informed, roughly. You know, for instance, Michael Schenker, Michael says, is all original singers from the 80s, um, Temple of Rock, is with uh, um, um, uh, Herman Rebel, uh, Francis Buchholz, and uh, um, Doogie White from Rainbow. Right. And, yep. and and so, so you, so people, it, 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 if I would just call everything Michael Schenker's group, I think that there would be a mess.
3: Right on, <laughs> and right
1: so, on. So, so, so now I think that way. And anyway, so like, you know, to answer the question is this, is, this is my 50th anniversary, so it's Michael Schenker's Anniversary, not Mikusheka Group, and uh, but it's Mikusheka 50th anniversary motto performed by the current MSG Mikusheka Group, and uh, and 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 whatever pops up, you know the the original idea was not. I was actually having um, you know in 2019 when I realized that the 50th anniversary was coming up. Um, you know, I was looking for a musician guest sense, um, you know, to celebrate, and uh, but it was dragging on, and it was going to a point when I realized I missed the timing, you know, because it should have been uh, 2020 to be released. But then my agent told me that, uh, yeah, but Michael, your your album came out 72, right? Uh, yeah. the Scorpion, Blown and Crow, and so. Ah, so I've got two years. And so I had, I had hope again, and uh, and but this time, um, you know, getting musicians from all over the world together uh, to celebrate—it's it's a, it's a really tough, uh, long process, and so that's why I actually thought I missed the timing. And but the main thing there is the first note I put on the record was, you know, when I was fifteen, uh, I put it on the. Um, which was with the Scorpions, Lonesome Crow. And it was also my first ever written piece of music um, that I wrote all by myself in my mother's kitchen. And there was nobody there. Actually, Michael Foss, which you producer he sent me the original credits. It says, Michael Schenker lyrics, we Schenker lyrics. Wow. We had zero knowledge of English. How could we have done the lyrics? It was complete misinformation. And it should have said... Um, um, Michael Schenker music, and then whoever wrote the lyrics and so anyway it's it's just kind of um, um you know basically the everything is Michael Schenker group and it's good to have you know the the category. To have it categorized in, in yeah. different
3: names. <clears throat> and and you mentioned the song uh, from Lonesome Crow that is on the new Immortal record that is In Search of the Peace of Mind and I do want to talk to you about that song but but first let's talk about some of these other songs and, and players on the record. Some of the people you were just mentioning like Robin and Gary and Simon are actually a part of this record as well as many others. Let's start with Night of the Dead, a great Great, great song love love the the guitar sound love the vocals uh ronnie romero is doing the vocals on this how did uh, how did it work with ronnie
1: no well, ronnie actually you know that that's what i was actually continuing saying um then i decided to make a compact band you know to make it easier and to celebrate the 50s and get it done and uh um, Ronnie was already singing "We Are the Boys" uh, on the Resurrection album. Uh, Michael Schenker Fest. and so I asked him, "Hey, would you like to be the the the, the main singer?" You know, so he was supposed to be singing all the ten songs. Actually, There's eleven songs. as a bonus track for just in case we for a B single or something. And uh, um, he said, "Yes." And then um, Barry Sparks, he, he kept calling me, well, he kept actually emailing me, Michael, I want to be your bass player. I said, You got it, you know. And so I, I had a compact with Steve Mann and, and Bodo Schopf and, uh, you know, some of the uh, Michael Schenker test lineup, and so the musicians. And uh, um, so I, 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 um, yeah, and that that was it. That, yeah. you know, Ronnie was going to be the singer, and uh, but but the problem the problem was that uh, all of a sudden that virus sneaked up, and uh, yeah. everybody panicked, and uh, you know, uh, it, it, I thought like, oh no, what now? You know, and and uh, so you know when I actually ended up in in um, in in Germany. Eventually, um, which was quite complicated uh, because of all the borders being locked when I drive, and uh, um, when I had put my backing trucks down, uh, we called up Ronnie and Ronnie said, "Oh, sorry, I can't. I can't. I, I don't want to go on 14 days quarantine, right. and, and I'm committed to other things. Blah 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 blah." And I think he lives in Bulgaria, and and I said, uh, "And we said 'No, don't worry. We we call you back when.'" You know, and so um, what now? And, uh, you know, Amy, my partner, uh, she's a bass player and she has a very good taste. She's a consumer. I haven't listened to f- music for 50 years. I-, I have no clue what's out there. And so she suggested, well, cheapest, you know, and, and, and that's how we actually step by step, I mean, you know, some I, I call that virus like the bittersweet experience because it changed direction um, of musicians um, in such an incredible way that what I tried to do in the beginning in, 19, in 2019, um, which was so so much hard work and didn't work out, and then wanting to do a compact thing, all of a sudden everything went back to the original idea, but I didn't have to do anything. Right. <laughs> it just came all by itself. You know, people were calling up Michael Frost saying, I, I heard the 50th anniversary, Mike Schenker, I want to make a contribution. I'm a fan. You know, that was, um, Brian Tichy. you know, a fantastic yes. drummer. He offered six songs. Then you called back and said, like, Hey, a buddy of mine, he's a fan. Uh, he wants to do a, a keyword track. And, uh, and and that was derek sharing and, and, and i said to michael Foss, what well, that that guy what we're what, what we going to do with a heavy duty keyboard player like him you know we have already got these men who's doing all the coloring i wanted to make sure that all my um that the album is more guitar oriented so, and i just wanted him to sprinkle some 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 little bits of pieces from the keyboard point of view. And so Michael Foss said, "Like, well, maybe you can have a jam with 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 uh, um, with Derek." And, and I said, "A jam? I never had a jam with a keyboard player in my whole life." <laughs> and, and you mean like John Lord and Richie Blackmore? Right. Said, yeah, maybe something like that. You know, I said, "Actually, you know, maybe you're right. You know, it would be great for the fans to hear something I've never done before." And so we ended up. And unbelievable! Out of nowhere, you know, Ralph. Next day, when I mentioned Ralph Shepard to to uh, Michael Ford, the next day they were recording, and wow. so I couldn't believe it. When I when I heard the voice, I, I was blown away because I I didn't know something like that exists. And so we ended up with right in the beginning with Ralph and uh, Titchy and and Derek on a heavy duty song like you know in the face and. Uh, And that became Drill to kill, you know, and and it just continued like that. I called up, we called up again. um, Ronnie, are you ready? I'm sorry, I'm still, you know, uh, locked up, and then I can't come, and uh, you know, I don't want to go on quarantine. So don't worry about it. We we call you up again. When we have, you know, we we look for a solution and then uh, we check with you later again, and then right. and that's how we then then I said to Michael Foss, like, uh, what now? <clears> we need a, you know, what, what, we need a singer, and he said Joe Turner. and I said you must yeah. be joking. Have he got contact to him? He's my favorite, one of my favorite singers, and I had him on my website, you know, for introduction from the heavy hitters album and um, that we did together and and and, and he, you know he was on my on my website introduction for two or three years and i said like what well, can you get him the next day they were recording. i have got yeah. two songs out of him. yeah i love that song you don't know, die on we,
3: me don't die on me with Jolene turner it's so good so know,
1: good fantastic singer and and, and we are sense of each other and it's just kind of incredible how the universe sometimes works, you know and and much better than self, If <laughs> yeah, yes. it's something is meant to be it it just kind of comes together it's really incredible then, after the rain, you know, Michael first said to me when I came back from the hotel uh, in the morning after I put my backing trucks down, yeah, I did this 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 um um lyrics and he always writes b and uh, b plants for lyrics and melodies just in case the singer gets lost or needs some help and and he said that this is what i did and and i said michael this is so beautiful only you can sing this so he got that song right and uh and the other one was queen of thorns and uh uh the, the queen of thorns and roses which which was a very unusual song, and the way Michael was singing it, I couldn't imagine anybody else singing it. The same for after the rain, and so you know, and 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 then eventually, um, you know, uh, 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 Ronnie was available, and uh, and so we we started with Ronnie, and that that's how we ended up with only four songs, you know, meaning the, including the bonus, uh, actually. Yeah, four songs, I think, and uh, of course he was singing on "In Search of the Peace of Mind," and you know, and then and then I I I asked um, um, Gary Barden, you know, which, because "In Search of the Peace of Mind" is a very important song. I was fifteen yeah. years old. It was the first music I ever wrote, and uh, and 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 the, the lead break in it is so perfect. I would never change a note ever just like imaginary Western, uh, uh, the, uh, theme of the imaginary Western from Leslie West or stairway to heaven. It was just so perfect, but the rest of Lonesome Crow, you can hear, I'm 15 and I'm developing, but yeah. that solo came from somewhere else. I couldn't understand, you know, it was just to the, up to day, up to this day, it, it, it is perfect, you know, yeah. and, and, and I, and And because it's in search of the peace of mind, which is the theme of my life, you know looking for contentment and freedom um you know that song became very important. but I wanted to make it an epic, and so I put on the end of the song some um a, 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 a you know just made it an epic you know and and when I actually ended up listening to it what what went on it. It sounds like an inner conversation, you know, like making choices this way or that way. Should I make a shortcut? Should I go this way? You know, that like inner conversation that we all have. And uh, on that song, on that solo, it sounds like the guitars are actually, um, it's an inner conversation expressed by guitar playing. There's a howler in there, there's a wah-wah pedal, there's the bendings. There's so many different emotions there, that kind of um, sounds like a, a conversation between you know um, in yourself between making choices and yeah. uh, and it discuss- and actually it actually describes my 50 years. So on that lead break and, and uh, so I was so happy, everything worked out. It's awesome. So incredibly easily that I am actually completely blessed.
3: Right. Yeah. The, the songs that I've heard sound so good. I love after the rain, that little cool finger picking, uh, plucking intro you do. there, so good. Um, the, the song again, you're talking about in search of, the peace of mind originally done on Lonesome Crow by Scorpions way back in 1972, almost 50 years ago. What do you remember about making that record, Lonesome Crow? Are there memories that you have of going into the studio or writing yeah, the music? Of
1: course. Of course. I, I you know it I was only fifteen. I actually joined up with teamed up with with Klaus Meiner when I was 14. Uh, I'm a Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, Deep Purple fan. And they actually all asked me to join them, except for it's Zeppelin. But Black, wow. you know, Ozzy Osbourne did and and deep purple did it in '93, and so many other people like Phil Lynott et cetera, et cetera. But uh, it was what was the question?
3: I, I was just saying, what what do you remember about making the Lonesome Crow yeah, record? Okay. Yeah, okay.
1: Um, so so you know, it 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 was. Um, uh, The first album, you know, so the first, it was amazing because I was so young and I actually put, I actually made a record that a year year later actually were coming out of the same radio in my bedroom that I heard um, um, one of my favorite uh, songs. The immigrant song from zeppelin and i couldn't believe it wow i'm on the radio you know and and, and, and it was like that and making the record itself was actually took only seven days and uh, it it was uh, produced by a very famous uh, german producer at the time connie plank and uh and and i wrote most of the music um the, i was only 15 the scorpions were over the rest of the guys were already 21 so somehow they took a little bit of advantage of me because I was the talent and worked right. everything, and 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 they actually put their credits as as share owners, uh, mm. which was not correct and uh, and and it's not fair. Um, it's taking advantage of a of a little boy <laughs> who yeah. who has what it takes, you know, for them to chase what they wanted, and they wanted fame and. And and the rest and and I was just always and I'm still today the little kid in the sandbox just having fun um, recreational you know no expectation I just love to put three notes together and create goose pimples and then that's what I started in in 1980 with my Kushenka group when I found a a, a a a singer with a with no ego. Um, very great voice uh, bluesy and, and, and I wanted to do something smaller because I wrote Lights Out which became a hit uh, when I was 21 in, uh, um, in, in, in 1976 and uh, I ran away because I was afraid that now all my joy of of you know the, the innocence of, of, of creating music uh, was now I was trapped that maybe the music business would be expecting me to right. do another lights out, you know. And I did another lights out. I did, a, you know. Pete Wade called me back in, um, and and we did only you can rock me and and another stuff. And then strangers in the night. And if I would have stayed with UFO, I would have been one of the biggest bands ever. Yeah. But you know, for me, my vision was I wanted to get away from it. I have done my whole development from lonesome quote to phenomenon, it, and no heavy padding, lights out, obsession, strangers in the night. So I was done. I was complete. And Rudolf found out and he, you know, needed my help and I said, okay for you and Klaus, I I, I do this and uh, and Went I opened back. the doors for America for them and, and with love and drive, then they yeah. asked the rest of history.
3: Right on, right on. Yeah. There's a, a lot of stuff that you just uh, threw out there. I did wanna circle back to Deep Purple. You said ninety three they had asked you to join. Had you gotten together with them at that point and, and did some some playing no, 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 or no, no. was it just it oh, was a,
1: Believe it or not, you know, in one month in '93, the Scorpions asked me to play with them uh, live in in uh, Europe and Japan to sell tickets. But I was only doing the acoustic part. But but people didn't know that, so they thought it was a a Scorpions reunion, you know. But but you know, it filled the houses, and and at the same month. I got a phone call to to join Deep Purple, and, and I declined. In the, I declined for a, for the same reason I declined Ozzy Osbourne and everybody else, because I was focusing on pure self-expression. I didn't want to copy anybody. Right. I didn't want to go in anybody's path. I didn't want to, wanted to sell out. I wanted to fulfill myself. And that's what many people at that point never understood. They thought I wanted it all for myself. But they didn't understand that I was actually a very innocent kid in the sandbox. And uh, I was not interested in chasing uh, fame, success and money and all of that stuff.
3: Right on. And speaking of Deep Purple, it's been, I guess, 40 years since the release of your The Michael Shanker Group album in 1980. Roger Glover produced that, or I think, was it co-produced? I can't remember if he produced
1: or co-produced it with you, but what was no, he like no, he working? he produced it. He produced it, okay. He put, no, Roger Glover produced it. Right on. And, and that was the beginning of my connection with Deep Purple. I mean, everybody who leaves uh um, rainbow uh, Richie was Rainbow, for instance, uh, joins Mike Schenker crew.
3: <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right on, right on. That's uh, interesting. You mentioned Pete Way, who we lost this past summer. I know you guys had such a long history together and worked on so much music through the years. Were you in touch with him leading up to his death? Had you heard from him
1: recently? No, I'm, I actually, you know, it was a bit may, maybe more like like to I helped him. I helped him throughout all the years, you know, after UFO and after he got right. from UFO and, and so on. And and we spent time in Arizona together. We did the plots and we, you know, and, and some life stuff together. And then we met again in England. And over the years I always involved him and included him and, <clears throat> but somehow I mean, Pete is such a lovely person, you know, he was never angry. He was always joking. He had so much charisma. He he, he, he was, a. I mean, even the bass player from uh, Hot uh, Chili Peppers,
3: Sweet. Pete yeah.
1: was, was his idol. And, and Steve Harris, you know, Pete Way, even Steve Harris dressed like Pete Way. I mean, the charisma of Pete Way was unbelievable. On stage, live, you know, and uh, he had the same offers from Ozzy Osbourne and the Rolling Stones as I had. It, it, it's very, very peculiar. Right. And wow. uh, but, however, then I got the, uh, uh, you know, I ended up with Cozy Powell. I mean, Graham Bonnet, Doogie White, want you know everybody who left um, that. That family, that that the purple family, it it, it kind of ended up with me, right? It, and, and and so Pete Way was uh, such an icon, and he was bigger than he than he ever realized. But you know, unfortunately, he he lost control. On the, I mean, really, really, step by step, he lost control. He went further down and further down and further down. Um, you know, he he just kind of, I don't know, he just. Lost it. Uh, he lost what he had. Uh, uh, I think he still had it, but he didn't know how to get back to it.
3: When you say he lost control, he lost the connection to him to himself musically, or is that what you're referring to? No, no. To? He, he
1: he just lost it. Yeah, he just lost it. He he just his life fell into pieces.
3: Right, right.
1: Hmm. And I I even had a, a I even. In the very end, to, uh, not very end, the, the, like two, three years ago, I even had um, uh, his doctor's phone number, who is a singer, and I, and I was going to figure out how we can keep Pete, you know, stay alive and, and build up again. And right. it, it was useless.
3: Right. Wow. Sad. Very sad. Um, I, we only have a few minutes left here, so I did just want to, uh, see how you're doing. Are you staying safe and, and what's keeping you busy besides music? Is there any other things that you like to, uh, to do shows you like to watch other hobbies?
1: You know, um, The album would have never happened if I wouldn't have gone on quarantine. Every time I went to Germany and came back to the UK, I had to go on quarantine. I did that trip four times. One time I was lucky, but I ended up um, 42 days quarantine. Oh, wow. (laughs) Unbelievable. The first... You know, I, I have a beautiful house and a, and a, and a great property. I'll just, I rediscovered my garden. I love to design things. My father was an architect. I'm into, you know, creative little. You know, I, I loved. I just love to create, and that's what I do. When, you know, when 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 it's time to get bored, I I become creative, and uh, that's what I did on the, 30, the first fourteen days. The, wow second 14 days, it became a little bit more boring. And right. plus my partner uh, is looking after her mother in Japan. And so I actually did all of this all by myself. I mean, I had to stay 14 days, uh, 42 days altogether by myself. Wow! And um, the last 14 days, uh, it was horrible. And, and I, I would not recommend it. Um, or would never do it again. I mean, uh, I never, of course, I would be forced to. But uh, I did have uh, lots of things to do, and, and I'm a very creative person. I always create something.
3: Right on, right on. And I know we're just about at the end of our allotted time here, Michael. Um, I did tell my listeners that I was going to be speaking with you, and I had uh, a bunch of questions from them. But I guess the main question that came in from people like Jeremy Weltman were, are you going to be touring in 2021? Is it too early to know that, or are you yeah, planning yeah, we, dates?
1: Yeah, we, we, had, we had the biggest show in you know, uh, um, Simon Phillips on drums and Bodo Shop and the uh, five hour program uh, A&B a uh, uh, two times 5000 thousand-seater would have been the same as the Budokan 10,000 and uh, two nights at uh, Osaka 2000 each night. And so we have to cancel it. I prepared for that with the band, you know, for, for a whole year. It was a slap in the face, you know, because people right. t- said to me, you know, when it started in Japan, like, and the whites, also canceled, uh, that, uh, Michael, if you don't cancel, maybe Japan will, you know, or at least the government you know, w- won't like you uh, because you're encouraging people coming into a danger zone. And, and I said, I understand. And, and, uh, but, you know, no, no energy gets lost in the universe. I, I. <laughs> I, I, whatever I did, um, you know, it, it 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 kind of kept me go, uh, going and and in a good shape, and so eventually we had to postpone. Um, you know, even Graham Bonnet dropped out of the Michael Schenker Fest because he had an operation on his and, uh, uh, on his uh, shoulder, and we got Ronnie Romero replacing him. Ronnie Romero can sing like anybody. I mean, he's fantastic, yeah. <laughs> unbelievable totally professional and uh you know and then and then um it it got postponed to December and then it got postponed um and then finally um you know the you know as as time progressed and and it looked like uh, you know and then the, the the vaccine and stuff like that i guess the agents started to have hope actually Two big festivals, Pop in Holland and Fest uh, um, Hellfest in, in in France, got postponed also for one year. So, but we're doing that in June, okay, and then cool. um, we have now a a a a, a, a definite uh, tour plan for um, 21 October, which is for not, uh, for. Four shows in in the, in the UK with Dora Pesch uh, nice. supporting, and uh, we do like uh, uh, one, two, three, four, five, five shows in in uh, in Europe: um, Barcelona, uh, Madrid, uh, Turin, Bretton uh, uh, Holland, and and then and then they are working on 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 uh, Russian. Actually, they got some Russian dates, but they are not announced yet and and i'm sure as we you know as as time goes on and things look better and better and better there may be all of a sudden, the biggest tour we have ever done. The longest. (laughs) Well, we need it. We need you back
3: over in the States. We can't wait to get you back in the New York City area. Uh, Definitely need our live music. And in the meantime, you have given us this great new record, uh, MSG record, Immortal, which will be released on January 29th. So we cannot wait for that. Michael, it's always great talking with you. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, and it's a Michael Schenker Group record. And uh, that's what MSG stands for. Some people don't know that. And uh, it's Michael Schenker's 50th anniversary, you know, Immortal. And that's what we are going to promote.
3: Absolutely. And it comes out again, I January mean, 29th. Not that
1: album. We're going to be promoting that album, but we're going to be playing all the classics as well.
3: Right. Celebrating that 50 years. Yes. Correct. Awesome. Michael, it's been great chatting with you. Thanks for your time.
1: Thank you very much. Keep on walking.
3: All right. Michael Shanker appearing for, I believe, the fourth time on Talking Metal. That was the fourth time he was on. The first time I interviewed him, he was a little bit grouchy. The second time I interviewed him, he was awesome. The third time you interviewed him, he was awesome, right, Emily? Totally. Emily is here. Say yeah. Happy New Year, Emily.
4: Happy New Year, everyone.
3: Yeah. And then that was my fourth time interviewing him for Talking Metal, or I'm sorry, my third time because you did one of them. But I actually interviewed him backstage at that metal show when I was working on that metal show. So. Oh,
4: when he played with um Kurt Hammer. Hamm- oh yeah.
3: my God, that and was he amazing. He was great. He was great there. So five interviews the Striegels have conducted with Michael Shanker and I would say four out of five have been awesome yeah I was yeah. sad
4: I couldn't do that last one I had like a work obligation that day
3: yeah it's so weird we don't play music now like I I, I just it's it there's, is there's like little, little musical transitions and uh, but there's no there's no music but it's
4: okay though I mean I think people dig just hearing you say what you have to say you know
3: yeah and numerous requests for you, Emily. Where's Emily? She hasn't been on a, I, I swear to God. I swear to God. I'm it makes me flattered. happy and sad at the same time because I feel like the show isn't as good without you. Oh, but please. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. So speaking of good, I got our shaker here. This is vodka and it's not just any vodka in here. I'm shaking it up. It is Dash Vodka. You've Dash heard, vodka. You've heard I love John that you have it. the gonna, shot
4: glasses on the bed.
3: Yeah. What if gonna, they spill? We're not. Well, we're not going to. I'm gonna. We're gonna why, don't, why don't you tell us what <laughs> we're about to drink? I've never tasted this before.
4: This is insane. So I'm reading about this. It's seven times distilled. Okay. And all I had to read was it pure essence to sun roasted Thompson raisins. And then it mentions coconut shells. That's all I had to hear. Seven times distilled. And then you mentioned raisins and coconuts. I'm <laughs> I am not a connoisseur of vodka, but I know what I like and I know what I don't like. So I'm about, we're about to taste this and see what it's like. Okay. I like smooth. I will admit I am a little bit of a... It's, it's, a, big, it's a big shot I'm right there. I'm not a connoisseur, so don't, don't
3: but I know that toast. I like smooth. Toast. To the woman who saved Talking Metal.
0: <laughs> Please.
3: Oh, And let me say, wow, that is very smooth. No sharp after bite or anything.
4: Nothing. I mean, wow. delicious. I, I,
3: I know that Hank was gracious enough to send us this all the way from Texas. That's
4: pure honesty, right for there, for
3: free. But yeah, I, I'm. I'm looking know into your eyes. I'm I like know. that. Usually, when I have like a hard oh alcohol, I like I like Me twitch too. a little.
4: I will always that make is a face. Totally smooth. I'll always make a face at you, and that's there's no face. It's just delicious. Wow. But that's also very dangerous because that means I'm you know I'd be blasted and like. 20 minutes flat. drink that slowly.
3: We still have to get our children to bed. (laughs) (laughs) It is uh, December right now. We're recording this a little bit early, guys, but you will be hearing it in January. So once again, Happy New Year. I hope you enjoyed that Michael Shanker interview. We do have Wolf Hoffman coming up in just a second. Um, But I did want to sincerely say thank you to Emily because this, I don't believe I've shared with the large viewers i may have mentioned this on to the patreon folks but
4: are you about to embarrass me
3: well we at thanksgiving this year um my mom actually came up the day before thanksgiving and we had we had dinner uh with her just her in our in our dining room and she was supposed to have thanksgiving with my uh brother's family the next night but then they got sick it turned out being covid so thank thank god she didn't go there my brother actually didn't get it but uh that's a story for another time. She spent the day before Thanksgiving with us, and I was telling her about my plans for taking the podcasting up a notch, her and Emily, and the whole launch of talking with Mark Striegel, which I hope you guys subscribe to my other podcast. But Emily is the one who really said, well, instead of starting over, why don't you just Realize and be and have gratitude and be grateful for what you already have with Talking Metal, which is thousands of subscribers and a devoted fan base, and take that up a notch instead of letting it kind of fall by the wayside and becoming secondary to this other show that you just started that you really don't even have many listeners for yet. So it caused me to spend a day or two seriously thinking about what you said, Emily. And come to my senses that this has been my, really, my love for over 15 years now. And I think there would be an enormous uh, gap in my life without it. So thank you. You really, you talk sense into me and in many ways saved this show.
4: Well, it's interesting because we haven't had this discussion since Thanksgiving Eve. um, And I feel like having your mom here with me as backup, I kept on turning to your mom and she was agreeing with everything I said. I knew that you would also listen to her. And um, I've been here since the beginning, and I know I've met the fans, and I know what talking metal means to me as someone who's been on the periphery. Right, and um, I just think it's more.
3: That's that's that you've been more than on the periphery, but yeah, I mean,
4: for the most part, though, I have been. But yeah, I'm I'm your biggest fan, of course, and I just. Don't I don't I didn't want to see it fall by the wayside at all, regardless of how the format changes.
3: Yeah. Well, I said to you, well, I can't play music anymore. And I told the people I wouldn't do the podcast if I can't play music. And you said, who cares? People. Yeah. I mean, you were the one who said people probably listen more for you. And I've had I've had some people say that since I've announced that I won't be playing music anymore. That, you know, well, we listen for you, Mark. uh, I had one person say they fast forward the songs anyways i do so and you know so i'm like all right i listen for the and i I had a handful of people who said that they will miss the music but this is where we're at we legally are in jeopardy anytime we play music and if we're going to do this moving forward i think we have to uh dot all our i's and cross all our t's and thank you for encouraging me to keep this going so i'm devoted we're at 903 today i'm devoted at least until a thousand
4: Oh, come on. We're devoted to the end of time. till we <laughs> roll over in our grave.
3: <laughs> really? Okay.
4: No. no. Well, hopefully it's, that won't
3: be before 1,000. It's
4: so fun. Come on.
3: It is. But anyways, I would ask you what song you want to play for the listeners right now, but we can't play any songs. Are there any anything you're listening to? Who is who is your favorite? Uh, you said you, uh, this is surprising, oh, yeah. and, 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 and you should be honored because this is one of the most yeah. brilliant Uh, musicians of our time who actually played harmonica on a Kiss cover when Lenny uh, Kravitz covered Deuce by Kiss, who played the harmonica, your most listened to artist of 2020,
4: which is who? It was Stevie Wonder. There you go. Which is, you know, I have a lot of Stevie Wonder 45s from, but the 80s stuff, like part time lover. And, you know, I just called to say I love you. I have those 45s downstairs, but... Of course, you know, I got into the 70s, Stevie Wonder... Later in life. And I've just, during the pandemic, I found myself drawn toward a lot of like, I'm, I'm into the funk and the soul just to keep myself dancing and right. moving and feeling like upbeat. I'm still listening to tons of metal. Hello. But um, I was shocked to see that Stevie Wonder was my number one musician of 2020. Yeah, it's you should crazy. be proud. That's awesome. I love You can't him. go wrong I with I love that. him. My three Stevies, Stevie Wonder, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Stevie Nicks. Right on. That's why I named our plant Stevie. That That new plant, I bought like, 20 new plants yeah, by the way like listeners what new
3: plant there's like but, about 50 of them
4: <laughs> i've been on a, are you
3: watering them because there was one in the kitchen well, that was like moist and another no, one that was like bone dry well some
4: of them need to be dry okay the, yeah some of them yeah that i bought are meant to be dry before you water them but anyway okay. the one that's in the kitchen on our kitchen table i named stevie but no one will ever know what stevie it is right stevie nicks stevie Raven or stevie wonder You'll never know.
3: We'll never know. Okay. And we do have a new family edition, guys, Otis the Pug, which you can see on Instagram, on my Instagram page. I think I've posted a couple of them. Emily's posted some Why won't
4: he stop peeing on that bed?
3: Yeah, we're having a hard time (laughs) housebreaking him, which he's been never How long have we had him now? Three months?
4: Not even no. Like two months, but still I am queen of housebreaking. And I I had Ozzy. Oh my god. We got him
3: we got him in late October. Uh, so, but
4: Ozzy yeah. was housebroken in ex- two weeks. It's
3: really been exactly two months.
4: Pearl was housebroken in three to four weeks.
3: It's only been two months. I feel like we've had him like a year. I know, year. me too.
4: But no, he just, he's a he's a dum-dum. Right. He's a small he's a brain wonderful yeah. love of my life. I love this dog so much, but he might be a little bit of a dum-dum. <laughs> it's like, I have the door yeah. wide open to the patio and he's 10 feet from it and he'll just like pee on his bed. Just right right in front of me <laughs> right on
3: all right emily well right now we are going to i can't remember what order i'm doing things in here this is the new format but i believe we're going to get into yeah this is what we're going to do we're going to hear me talk about one of my favorite records metal heart by accept great great um yeah udo dirkschneider I mean, seriously. Uh, did you see
4: udo's christmas message no oh god i nearly cried i love him so much what was it It was just this really sweet Christmas message that was just like, hope to see you next year. It was, everyone go look at it because it's amazing. Udo, he seriously melts my heart, melts my heart. Yeah,
3: and Wolf Hoffman, we're going to hear from him in just a second, who is really at this point, I believe the only remaining member from the classic era of Accept. Uh, So let's, let's give a listen to him. But first, let's talk about the Metal Heart record. Emily, thank you for joining us. And everyone can follow you on Instagram Which is linked through my new website Markstriegel.net Here we go Classic albums A new segment here on Talking Metal Hey guys, so I'm testing out a new segment right now, which may or may not become a part of the weekly podcast, or maybe it's a, a bi-weekly thing we do here on Talking Metal. I'm not exactly sure yet. It is where we look back at a classic record, or at least a record that I consider to be a classic. So today, we have Wolf Hoffman on the show in just a bit, which... A lot of you may have heard that already because it was a part of the Talking with Mark Striegel podcast. Uh, If you haven't heard it, please stay tuned for it because it is a great chat with the legendary guitar player who was such a massive part of the album I'm about to talk about. It is Metal Heart by Accept, an album that for me was really, really important. And yeah, so this is scripted. I, I wrote this out. It was a part of my weekly email that goes out which if you don't get the weekly email you can sign up for that right on markstriegel.net i encourage everyone to do that and here we go metal heart by accept a little over 35 years ago the german rock band accept released the album metal heart it is one of my favorite albums of the 1980s was it as good as their 1983 album balls to the wall most people say, not quite. I say yes. Don't get me wrong, Balls to the Wall was one of 1983's greatest albums, but the world of music changed tremendously between 1983 and 1985, and Accept embraced and that change with songs like Midnight Mover and the radio-friendly Screaming for a Love Bite, which incidentally ended up receiving very little love from radio. Some fans took issue with these two songs, especially Screaming for a Love Bite. Metal was massive in the mid-1980s, yet it still somehow remained a private club for many fans. I think that when certain fans saw a band expanding their sound commercially and inviting new outsiders to the metal party with hooky tunes, they felt like their world was going to be infiltrated by jocks, cheerleaders, pop fans, yuppies, people who didn't wear concert t-shirts every day, and other undesirable members of society. In 1984, Rat proved that a commercialized version of metal could reach the masses and sell millions and millions and millions of albums with their perfect out-of-the-seller album. In my opinion, it would have been nuts for a band like Accept to not at least dip their foot into the potentially financially lucrative commercial hard rock pool. The thing is, Metalheart had some incredibly heavy cuts, too. With this release, Except saw the return of Jarg Fischer to the band. They also welcomed superstar producer Dieter Dirks to the fold, who is currently experiencing massive success producing albums for fellow Deutschlanders, Scorpions. Some of my random personal memories of Accept in 1985... A record store at the Yorktown Mall in Lombard, Illinois, not far from where I lived, was giving away a free single of the two most commercial songs on the album. I still have mine. I pulled it out the other day and stuck a picture of it on Instagram. You can check it out there, at Talking Metal. Another great memory of Accept from this time frame, uh, when they opened for Iron Maiden at Poplar Creek in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Of course, no relation to Wolf there. At this show, we snuck up front, and I remember being extremely nervous that we were going to get in trouble for being in the wrong seats and possibly ejected from the show. It didn't end up happening, but I did remember uh, experiencing a little nervousness uh, from doing that, and when Maiden came on, we actually retreated 20 rows back to our assigned seats. All right, the album breakdown. Side one, Metal Heart, the opening title track. One of the most fantastic metal tunes ever. Midnight Mover, so catchy, so hooky, but still hard and heavy, aggressive. One of Accept's finest moments. Up to the limit. This is 100% classic Accept. It would fit in perfectly on uh, any of their previous records. Uh, great, great perfection. Accept perfection, that is. Wrong is Right. Wow, what an adrenaline rush to the max this song is. Screaming for a love bite. Metal pop perfection. Of course, it had Udo's singing on it, so that might disqualify it from actually being pop. Side two. Too high to get it right. Love the Course. Man, Except always had such distinct... Sound to their backing vocals, and it's relevant on many of these songs, including this one. I love the opening guitar part for this song. It, it just kind of it's like this weird little thing that happens, and then it just kicks into this infectious groove. And they really they waste no time getting to the great sing along course. So effing good, too high to get it right. That is uh side two, the second song on side two, Dogs on Leads. Uh, haunting, creepy, super simple, uh, definitely ACDC-influenced, great tune. Teach Us to Survive is the next song. This is Except Goes Jazz. <laughs> I mean, there's uh, listen to it. You'll hear some kind of weird jazzy influences on the guitar and bass, and, and it somehow works, believe it or not. The song is really, really good, which makes it possibly the worst song on this album of perfection, uh, every song, except maybe this one is perfection living for tonight now this is the second to last song on the record and if it were sung by klaus Mine, it would be a definitive scorpions classic that would have fit in perfectly on love at first sting very scorpions-esque think about it listen to it and imagine klaus singing this song Uh, the epic closer bound to fail. Uh, my yearbook, I, for some reason, I'm not sure why, if it was a sign of things to come, but I was so into this song in high school. I scrolled it like on the, the, not the binding, but you know, like the pages when the, when the yearbook is closed, I wrote it like on the, the pages, uh, there on the, uh, you know, so when they're all together, you could read it. Yeah, Bound to Fail. I love this song. One of Except's greatest songs. In some ways, it feels like it's almost a continuation of the title track, Metal Heart. But then, you know, at the 250 mark, it just hits this insanely excellent guitar melody, which quickly turns into an amazing German beer garden chant gone wrong uh, with that uh, with for some reason there's like gunfire going off deep in the mix. I'm not sure what's up with that. Love it. I read the lyrics recently, reviewed the lyrics, have no idea what they're talking about. I, I was wondering if it was somehow about Germany. I was trying to read some deep meaning into it, but uh, I can't figure it out. but regardless, bound to fail. Just the perfect closer to this perfect record, Metal Heart by Accept. All right, there you have it, my uh, recap, my rundown of one of my favorite records of the nineteen eighties, Metal Heart by Accept. We're gonna hear Wolf talk about this record in just a minute. And earlier this year, or I should say last year, twenty twenty, I spoke with Udo about this record. So you can go back and check that out, Udo Dirk Schneider. And again. There is a written version of this in my email from a couple weeks ago. I'm going to be doing this weekly email. I'd love to have you guys sign up for it. Just go to markstriegel.net and you can sign up for it right there. It's M-A-R-K-S-T-R-I-G-L dot N-E-T. Thanks, guys. Right now, my interview, which was conducted with Wolf on December 4th, 4th, 2020. So let's get into that interview with Wolf Hoffman right now. Hey, it's Mark Striegel, and what an honor to talk to one of my favorite guitar players, a guy I've been listening to for decades and decades, and he's got some brand new, incredible music out with his band, Accept. Wolf Hoffman, how are you?
2: I'm doing good, my friend. How are you?
3: Oh, I am great. And I got an advanced link to the new Accept record, Too Mean to Die. Wow, great, great stuff. Um, I wanted to walk through some of the songs with you because my, my vibe of the record was the first two cuts, Zombie Apocalypse and the title track, I, was, I could hear Accept on it, but in some ways it, it, it felt like a newer sound. But then when it hits Overnight Sensation, suddenly I'm thrown back into that classic Accept sound and it, it goes on and on no no one no one's master and the undertaker i also felt like had that classic except sound do you feel like the band is branching out a little bit musically on this record that you haven't before
2: mm, not sure i can agree on that because okay we've been, especially on these last five albums we've had songs that are in that vein before a lot actually so i think maybe it's your personal taste which is geared a little more towards it yeah um, less aggressive more sort of sing-along
3: okay fair enough kind
2: of stuff Um, because yeah we've had these aggressive songs for quite some time and and, you know and it seems like it's part of we are now or have been for some time actually
3: absolutely and you're back with Andy uh, doing is he producing he's producing and mixing or just mixing
2: he is Indeed, no, he's he's doing both, Yeah, And he's very instrumental in picking out the songs, and he's he's deeply involved in the whole process, definitely.
3: Right on. And being that we're in COVID right now, was there a different approach to recording this than maybe there had been the previous albums with him?
2: No, the approach was the same, but uh, at some point we couldn't get together because of the travel restrictions. And we had to actually have Andy um, online with us where the rest of us were recording in Nashville, and Andy was in the u k and we could only communicate per Zoom or Skype or whatever we used and he was able to listen in and you know make comments and all that, but he wasn't actually physically in the room, so that was a little strange, but we still got it done, we're still you know finished that was only for part of the album the majority was really recorded the traditional way with him being there
3: right right and how long were you working on the record did you start it back in 2019 or what i did yeah
2: i mean and it's it's a fluent process i mean i i have my own place studio if you call it a studio but yeah i guess it is a studio and you know that's where i start recording and then um at some point you keep some of the stuff that you record so it's never really a demo phase and now we switch on a different thing and it becomes the proper recording it kind of goes hand in hand to be honest Um, so i met with andy sneep early in january to go through some of the ideas i had collected and we were picking out the first songs by then and started recording in march for about two or three weeks and then did another couple of weeks in june and that was it i mean recording is fairly fast if you know what you're going for you know uh if the songs are properly written and everything is clear and you don't you know what you want then yeah it goes fairly quick
3: so were, were most of the songs like lyrically and finished before covid hit
2: yeah i think so yeah because yeah, it's interesting uh, no, there were, i mean some of it was actually done during during the whole pandemic thing
3: yeah because yeah. it's like a song like the best is yet to come like to me being in this weird time we are in history that it was you know there's some sadness there but there was also this hopeful message in that song Mm. and i couldn't help but wonder if that was uh lyrically maybe you know what's what's going on right now with us you know not being able to be with our loved ones or if i was just interpreting it that way because of where we are in history
2: yeah i think it's it's sort of you can relate to so many things and of course you can relate it to this current situation, but it was written before incidentally because it really represents my life motto. And it was really something that I wanted. That's pretty close to my heart because I actually do think the best is yet to come. And I'm really the eternal optimist. So there's a lot of stuff that, yeah, um, that I actually personally believe in. So I, I wrote some of the skeleton of the song and then Mark and, uh, Martin actually finished the other bits and pieces of the song and he, he Mark sang it beautifully It was yeah. one of those songs where I wasn't really sure whether it would be whether it would end up on the album until we've recorded it properly because it was really not a typical you know sure fire except song one of those what you're what you hear oh yeah that's going to be on the album it was one, right. one of those songs where you go like oh that's cool let's see how that shapes up when it's all said and done and then we'll decide um yeah
3: and the album ends with just a very cool instrumental track um can you talk a little bit about how that came about samson and Deli- delilah yeah. is yeah that- delilah
2: samson so- and delilah and that is actually uh, another example of a song that was uh, questionable if whether that needed to be on the album but i had the idea and it's actually based on classical stuff and Uh, A lot of people know I've been doing that for years, even on some solo albums, where I take classical themes and just play them on metal guitar and mess around with them until, you know, they feel metal. And that's what I did here. I used two classical themes and uh, made this instrumental track out of it. And Andy liked it a lot. He, He was the one pushing for it, saying it needs to be on the album or it should be on the album. And it kind of adds a nice little color towards the end. It it serves as a sort of a walkout music or something like an outro almost, you know, it kind of brings everything to a close. It's great. It's
3: great. Yeah. And again, we are talking with Wolf Hoffman, the new accept record "Too mean to die out January 15th. And are we booking live dates at this point for the band? I mean, I, I, I know, you know, you guys don't, tour quite as heavily as you used to back in the day, but you always get out there and get some shows going. Are there book dates on the calendar?
2: Yeah, and we actually do book uh, a lot of shows. I mean, right now there's a lot of book uh, shows on the books, but we don't know when they actually start happening uh, because a lot of this stuff was booked for last summer and it's now been, had, had been pushed to the summer of 21 festival shows all over Europe we had a full headline tour booked for this upcoming album in January and of course that's not going to happen now right. that has been pushed back a year so everything gets pushed back and back until the doors basically open again um so and until then they get just get postponed again and again unfortunately but hopefully by this summer we can be out there again i'm hoping right on maybe a little too optimistic but i don't know we'll see
3: yeah i hope so i the last time I saw you guys it was I've seen you twice actually uh at Irving Irving Plaza in in New York City with with Mark oh, yeah. it's just been great shows and I want to go way back in a bit to when the first time I ever saw you but before we do that let's talk about who currently is in the band I know Peter is out and of course you and Mark are 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 we know we know you guys but can you just run down the rest of the lineup of the band
2: Sure. Uh, on the drums, we have Christopher Williams. He's, w- w- he's been with us for some time now. I think maybe coming on six or seven years almost. Okay. He, um, then we have Uwe uh, Lulis, uh, the only uh, guy living in Germany currently. He's the other guitar player. He's been with us for some time, I think equally long. They both joined around the same time. Got a brand new bass player called Martin Motnik. He filled in for Peter when he left about two years ago. And he's a great find. He is a German guy living in Nashville as well. So there's currently four of us from Nashville, which is nice. Wow. Um, and then the newest member is uh, Phil Schaus, a guitar player. And we took him on as a third guitar player, believe it or not, which is slightly unusual in the metal world. But uh, we thought it was too good of a fit. Uh, we got along so great doing a orchestra tour that we did together that we decided we want this guy to be permanently into the band. And so we now have the luxury of having three guitar players on stage.
3: Yeah, it's pretty
4: awesome.
3: it's awesome. Also, it's awesome. I, I saw some funny video of him where I, it was a while ago where he was like doing a, a the, the the workout thing. Yeah, yeah.
4: yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> that,
2: that, that thing started as a joke because, you know, we always kind of make fun of ourselves about the stage moves and things, you know, so he was kind of poking fun at that. But a lot of people thought, he was dead serious and they thought, oh, he's doing these workout videos and, you know, we want to work out with Phil and now it almost turned into this, well, like a, a series of workout videos that he's now doing. And it all started pretty much as a little bit of a joke, internal joke almost, you know, but, you know, people love it. Great. Yeah,
3: they're, they're hysterical. They're hysterical. And uh, we'll try to link those in, in the show notes for today's episode. Um, I wanted to go back to the first time I ever saw you live. It was opening for Iron Maiden at Poplar Creek in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. No relation to Wolf Hoffman, I assume.
2: Ah, funny. Yeah. <laughs> and uh,
3: that was on June 16th, 1985. What do you remember about touring with Iron Maiden on the World Slavery Tour? Good memories?
2: Funny you ask. I've just been talking in a previous interview. Somebody asked me about what what was some of the most fun memories I have from touring and which band was it with. And I said, it was actually probably Iron Maiden. We had a really good relationship with these guys. One of the few times where we really, it was a sense of camaraderie between both bands. And we were, you know, always kind of poking fun at each other and and joking around backstage. And and it was great. It was really good. Uh, Because a lot of times bands kind of keep to themselves for some reason, but with Iron Maiden, it was really good, good times. I mean, I see the guys nowadays, we still talk about it sometimes. It, it was really it, great memories. Uh, for a
3: fan at that time, a 15 year old fan, uh, it was just the ultimate double bill there. You, you guys and Maiden, and I was such a fan of the Power Slave record, but then also of, of Metal Heart, which is what you guys were touring for at that point. Yeah, uh, and that album just turned 35 years old. Any oh, memories you could share about making that record? It, good memories of making that record.
2: Good memories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very good memories. Um, yeah, I mean, it was recorded in Germany at the Dirk Studio with the producer of the Scorpions. His name was Dieter Dirks. Like uh, his claim to fame was the Scorpions, and uh, he worked with us there for the first time. So it was it was great. He was the first big name producer, so to say, that we ever worked with, um, and we learned a lot from him. And uh, yeah, I think that it was a great album, really.
3: And has your guitar setup changed much since, like Balls to the Wall and Metal Heart, oh, yeah. to where we are today? Be what was it? Was it? Because on those records i I swear you can almost hear the tubes of of the of the heads on, on on like balls to the wall and 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 metal heart um what what's different nowadays
2: pretty much everything, but it sounds still very similar in my mind i mean it's yeah if anything it's gotten better over time because the technology has improved so much um it's you know it's one of the lessons you learn over the years that equipment. Really, only makes a little bit of a difference. It doesn't really make ever a huge difference. It, I'm, I'm actually sometimes shocked how similar it sounds now to back then, or the other way around. It almost doesn't make a big difference which guitar I use and which amp I use, and I've used it all. Trust me, I've used every possible combination of guitars and pickups and strings and all the variables that you have and speakers. But it very much sounds still the same when I play it. It's just because it's in it's who you. plays yeah. who plays it and what you play really I mean the the riff or the song itself and the way that you play it, that makes more of the sound than the actual gear a lot of times it's it''s, it's funny because people a lot of, a lot of people always ask me, "How does you get that sound of balls to the wall, that opening riff?" and it I can play it on a lot of different gear. it would always sound very similar. It's really the riff itself has a certain sound too.
3: Absolutely. And, and you see that with so many guitar players, like when they're replaced, you know, I've heard people who maybe aren't musicians or don't know music quite as well say, well, as long as you have the singer, you know, people aren't, but it's not the case because the drummer, the guitar player, their personality comes through in, in the way they play it. And your personality has always been such a, a big part of the accept sound. And and we still hear that loud and clear on the new record, Too Mean to Die. Again, out January 15th. We are so psyched to get the, I want to I get the uh, the physical copy. Will you be doing vinyl of that, you know?
2: Yeah, they will. And you know what else they're going to do? They're, they're going to bring back cassette tapes. Oh, wow. How cool is that? Yeah! Wow, that's, they're that's, re, re-releasing. I think a limited edition of five hundred each. Uh, the last five albums and, and and the new one as cassette tapes. That that took me by surprise. I thought, whoa! That's yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. I, she, I've noticed some bands like the band Ghost, who I'm I'm really into. They released their last album on on cassette too. So I guess it's. Uh, the new I mean, retro do you, do you still have
2: a cassette I don't even have a cassette tape anymore, but I guess some uh, people do. Do you yeah, have one?
3: Yeah, I'm going to show it to you right now. It's the. Uh, I still pull it out. It's the Sony Walkman right here.
2: Whoa! <laughs> let me see. Which one is that? Oh, that's the. Oh, that's the sports edition or something. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Waterproof.
2: Yeah. Ah, uh, look at that. Does it still work?
3: It still works, believe it or not. Yeah, and and it had been sitting around for decades and decades. I hadn't used it, but I pulled it out recently, and it, it still works. I actually
2: tried. I have a shitload of old tapes that I uh, tried to digitize a while back, and I had some old tape machines, and on every one of them, the belt was just uh, deteriorated because uh, right. they have in- internal rubber bands that drive the mechanism or something, and a lot of those were just eaten up over time. They're just yeah. Deteriorated, you know. Yeah. So it's actually not. Yeah, it's crazy.
3: So Wolf, I had put it out to my listeners that we were going to be speaking to you, and a couple of them came back with some questions. I wanted to throw those at you. Mike Jones wanted to know who are your biggest influences as a guitar player.
2: Um, probably Ritchie Blackmore. Of- you know, the purple and rainbow fame and then uh Angus Young from A C D C and then of course Uli John Roth is my all time wow, hero. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I kiss the ground he walks on. Uh whenever I see him, I I, I do the uh, I'm not worthy kind of thing. And yeah. he always gets a gets a laugh out of it. No, he's he's honestly he's 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 amazing.
3: Absolutely. And Drake wanted to know if you had any memories about working with Sebastian Bach on the song Rock and Roll back in the late 90s. Any memories you could share of of that?
2: Yeah, I do have some memories. He's a crazy motherfucker. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, you see, he's a fun guy, but at the same time, uh, he's high maintenance. I mean, he's really very intense guy to be around. And, and, you know, it, it, it wears you out after a day or two. But I, I always liked his enthusiasm. I'm not sure I could take it, you know, 24 hours a day. Right. Like I said, right. it wears you out a little bit. But we had a good time, and I mean, the thing only lasted like a day or whatever to record one track. But he was like, "Yeah, he's intense. He was all about,
1: hey man, are you do this awesome! Yeah, yeah, yeah. He
2: yells at you the whole time. So <laughs> right, right. I'm not used to that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm. My mentality and his maybe don't necessarily match very well but you know he's it was it was fun
3: right on and jeremy weltman wanted to know besides working on the new album what have you been uh doing to stay busy during the, the covid times
2: i went through my gear warehouse uh storage room uh and and got rid of a bunch of stuff that i haven't used in years i, I listed it on reverb and yeah it was great that was a lot of work to to photograph it all figure out the serial numbers and list it properly and i'm quite happy that i sold about 30 35 instruments and amplifiers and some of it went to a museum in europe and some of it went to collectors who are really who cherish this stuff and are really happy to have it and i'm glad to have it out of my hands because it's some of this stuff has just been sitting there so it's one of those long-term projects that I wanted to do. And I guess all of us are trying to find stuff just to keep us busy because we've got nothing else to do, you know?
3: And when you sell your stuff, do you say, Hey, this is Wolf Hoffman selling this stuff. Cause I would think that would put some value on it for, for some people.
2: Yeah, of course it's uh, at a certain point, And like I said, a lot of the stuff that I, I sold went to people who just wanted for the um, memory of Billia, right. sort of, value and not so much as instruments that they're actually going to play they're just going to maybe hang it on the wall or have it in their man cave and i don't know what they're going to do yeah. with it. but <laughs> right. it's, you know people just love having stuff with a history and i can totally relate to it but i i you know i'm feeling slightly bad if i have a lot of stuff that i don't really need or haven't used in years so it, right. it needed to go it was high time to let it go and i'm glad
3: Clean house a little bit, right?
2: Yeah, it makes you feel good every time. That, yeah, you know, it feels like you accomplished something that you wanted to do for a long time, and you know you lighten the load and thin the herd, and you move on. Right on. And
3: how how often do you get back to Germany? Do you get back there often? Do you have a lot of friends and family still there?
2: Yeah, I do. I go I go back there several times a year. Yeah, it's a it's a little difficult right now. I've been back twice this year, uh, even because I have a dual normal norm, normal people can't go there right now, <laughs> right, but I have right. du- dual citizenship, so I'm, I'm allowed, even during Corona times, to go to Germany and come back here.
3: And how long have you been in Nashville now?
2: Oh, since OJ's trial. When was wow, that? 27 okay. years ago?
3: Yeah. 90, what? 93? I don't know. I, 93, I, feel, I yeah. think,
2: yeah. yeah. I, remember, I remember moving into my house, and OJ's trial was on TV. That's how I know.
3: Right. Right on. Cool. and Peter obviously he's he's out of except now are you, do you hear much from him at all
2: no no i am I'm, I'm really sad about the whole event how it happened and that it had to happen because after forty years i thought ah uh, I honestly thought we would ride into the sunset together and and like you know write this out until the very end but he decided to he no longer wanted this and it was you know sad but I can't change it and so here we are moving on with new guys and you know as sad as as it is him leaving there's also the good side of new members being totally excited to be in the band and that adds right. a certain amount of energy also you know because you know if somebody doesn't want to be in the band anymore and you can sort of sense it and it was that case with him for some time then brings everybody slightly down and um now that we got new guys, they definitely do the opposite. They bring fresh blood and fresh energy. And I think that reflects, was reflected in the songs to a certain degree. Also. Yeah, I was
3: going to say, you hear you hear a lot of energy on this record. And
2: that's, they, yeah, they, they that's were great. involved
3: with bringing ideas to the table, too, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Especially Peter's uh, successor. His name's is Martin Motnick, uh, a German player who lives in Nashville also. Um, he he was actually instrumental in writing some of the songs. It was great.
3: Very cool. And again, the new album is Too Mean to Die by Accept. Wolf, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure.
2: It's been a pleasure for me. So thank you very much. Stay safe safe and healthy and uh, stay metal. (laughs) All
3: right. Thanks to Blabbermouth, Brave Words, and Metal Sludge for spreading the word about my podcasts, Talking Metal, the one you're currently listening to, and of course, Talking with Mark Striegel, the new one. Subscribe, leave a review on iTunes, share on social media, follow me on Twitter at Talking Metal, and yeah, man, keep uh, keep the flag flying. We're gonna we're gonna keep this going. Talking Metal 2.0 No music. (laughs) It's weird for me, guys. I have to admit it, but it is the right thing to do. All right. So, big thanks to, uh, in addition to those sites I mentioned, big thanks to our guests, Michael Shanker. Wolf Hoffman and of course my beautiful, wonderful wife, Emily Striegel You can follow her on Instagram too. Um, all the links, including her Instagram, are up on markstriegel.net M A R K S T R I G L dot net. Use our Amazon links if you live in Canada, the United States, or the UK. All right, guys. Talk to you next time. Be safe, be well, and we'll see you every Tuesday here on Talking Metal.